This is Loudspeaker. Hey there, I'm your host, Sarah Menares, and you're listening to the We Podcast, where together we find inspiration, encouragement, and growth through stories and real talk. Here we navigate the messy human experience together. We raise our voices and speak our truth. In this space, we value the conversations that broaden our perspective and help us fully understand that we are connected, we are capable of growth, and that we are not alone. Are you ready? Let's get real. You're listening to episode number 96 with Rebecca Dollard. I love being able to have open conversations with moms. This episode is all about moms. Rebecca is the founder of the Motherhood Mentor, where she is a mentor to mothers to help them in their personal growth and really step into who they are within themselves and so they can be better mothers in the end. I love her heart. She, We really share a love for vulnerability and for growth and for the real talk. And so as mothers, a lot of times it's very easy for us to, to get into a place where we want to appear perfect. We don't want to let people know what we're really dealing with or what we're struggling with or what's really going on. And Rebecca is the one to help mothers get at the heart of all of that and help them to understand that they are seen and understood and that they are not alone. So here we go. Let's dive in. Here is my interview with Rebecca. Welcome to this episode of the WE Podcast. I am excited to have the amazing Rebecca Dollard here today with the Motherhood Mentor to talk with me. And I have gotten the pleasure of getting to know Rebecca through my business mastermind at We Aspire Women's Business Circle. And it's been so amazing. I realize, Rebecca, that I know a lot about what you're currently doing, which we will talk about later in the show, but I didn't know a lot about your backstory. And I was really thinking about that leading up to this and and what I'm excited to talk with you about. And that's something I'm really excited to dive into because I think that's where a lot of the magic happens is in the backstory and what's kind of happened in our lives to bring us to what we're doing today. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's hard to like when someone asks you like, what's your story? It's like, how do you wrap that up? But I think I could go through all of the things that I grew up with. I could tell where I'm from, but really I'm Becca. Like (laughs) I'm married. I've been married for a little over 10 years. We have two amazing kids and I love being a mom. I have always wanted to be a mom. I have always wanted to be a wife. In fact, I was just remembering the other day, I had this teacher in high school and she was my psychology teacher and she wanted me so bad to go to school to become a therapist. And all I wanted to do was get married and have babies. And she's like, no, you need to go to college. You need to do this. And I just, I knew I wanted to help people, but all I really wanted was to be a mom. I, that's all I wanted. But when I found myself as a mom, (laughs) 
when I got married, I didn't feel how I wanted to feel. Like I kept looking around me and I kept seeing everybody married and kids. And I was a lot younger than the women I was around, right? I was a week before 21 when I had my daughter and I looked around at everyone and it's like, what's missing? Like, what do they have that I don't have? Am I just too broken? Like I had what I thought I always wanted, but I didn't feel the way I wanted to feel. I I didn't Mm -hmm. love it. Like I thought I would. I loved my husband. I loved my daughter, but I still hated me. I was still living from this place of my trauma of things that I hadn't healed and I didn't realize it and I didn't see it. And so, so much of my story is learning to fully embrace me and where I'm at and learning that all of these people, it's like, I would sit at these mops tables and we'd talk about all of these things going on, but nobody talked about what they were really thinking and feeling. And I just remember feeling so alone and I hid so much of what was going on with me because so much of what I carried, I looked like I had it all together. Like I had really high functioning anxiety. I really struggled with depression even with my daughter, once I had become a mom. And it's like, I still had all of these issues. Like I didn't like me and I compared myself to other women and I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. I still just felt like this kid in high school. I was in this marriage that like, I loved my husband and he loved me. And yet I still carried so much from my past abusive relationships that I hadn't healed. I didn't accept his full love. And like, there's just so much, right? And working through my own personal journey to heal that, I did it alone for so long. And then I got brave enough to start talking about it. I got so sick of acting like I had my shit together. Like I finally hit a point where I felt like we could have lost everything if I wouldn't have hit my breaking point of being like, I can't do this anymore. Like I can't pretend like I have it together. And so as I started opening up, I started healing. I started finding community. And I guess that's what I would say my story is, is learning, learning my story embracing my story and then learning how to share it, right? Like doing the inner work and then learning how to live that out. It reminds me because it's so often, I think a lot of us, especially when we're little, we think about, well, when I, when this happens, I'll be happy. And when that happens, I'll be happier. When I become a mom, I'll be happier. When I get married, I'll be happy. And then getting to those places where, we're living that out and then it not happening. That's tough. It's like, wherever you go, there you are. It doesn't matter Mm, what the situation, your shit is still there. It's still there to be dealt with. And then you add children on top of that. And then you have to deal with their shit too. Like (laughs) no, like that's the hard thing as a mom. You don't just have your stuff you have their stuff too. Like in a very real way, we carry that Mm -hmm. physically, emotionally, spiritually. If we don't even know how to take care of our stuff, then we add more stuff and our husbands and our, you know, relationships, friendship. I can totally relate. I didn't realize we were both the same age when we had our daughters. Really? Yeah. I was a month away from 21 when I had Aubrey, but yeah. And I had no clue whatsoever. (laughs) No clue. But I want to dive into that further because this is, I think, why we connect so well because I think we both love talking about the hard things. We love talking about the things that 
the uncomfortable. Yeah. The things that people aren't talking about, you know, you don't go to mops group and say, you know what? I hate being a mom today. This sucks. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be a mom. I don't want to change another diaper. People don't do that because I think probably fear of judgment, right? People are going to think bad of me or whatever it is, but this, this is a real reality for most moms. Yeah. And I, I think most people, the environment I grew up in and the environment I was in, especially when I was a brand new mom was one where testimonies were like celebrated, right? Like people with these like dark pasts would overcome it all and had like the before and after picture, right? Like we loved a good before and after picture, but nobody talked about the messy middle and nobody shared about it while they were in it, right? Like if you were in your mess, that wasn't acceptable. It was only acceptable until after, right? Mm -hmm. And I was in a messy middle. I was in this part of like aching for wanting to have that after. Like I remember telling someone like, when am I finally going to wake up and feel like this woman? I know that I was made to be this woman. I know that I am, but I just kept waiting for this version of me that wasn't fully me, but I thought there was like an after Becca. I thought there was going to be like this wonderful version of me who didn't have all of this messy stuff. And that's not realistic. That's not reality. I mean, we talk about this right in our mastermind all the time with these incredible leaders sitting here talking about our messy middles of this is what it looks like to be leaders and incredible people and women is that you have your mess with you you bring it with you and there's growth and there's healing to happen. But after all, well, we're one of my like affirmations I always say is I'm just as much human as I am holy of really coming to grips with the fact that I'm always going to have the messy. There's going to be the afters. There's going to be change in my life. There's going to be progress and ground that I make and claim for my own, but I have to go claim it. And I'm still always going to be in the mess of it we don't get rid of that part and creating communities and creating a world where that's acceptable, I think is where we, the healing happens. Cause if we hide it all away, we don't get the afters. We just get like trauma continuing over and over. Yeah. Like really understanding that we're always human and with yeah. that it brings mess. And I've never heard it put that way before like your life as a before and after and I can totally relate to that because I really grew up with testimony too I love a good testimony like I I have a powerful testimony in my life both faith and like just I've made progress right like I can say like this is how I used to be and this is how I am but the reality is there's still flaws there there's still there's still brokenness there's still hurt I still have a human brain that wants to see all of the problems and wants to blame other people and wants to blame myself, right? I still have this upbringing. Every one of us have been raised with thoughts and beliefs that don't serve us, that hurt us, that hurt our relationships. And I feel like our life's work is to heal our own stuff so that we don't cause more on other people, right? Like, I hope that we just keep gaining ground. Like Mm -hmm. I see how my parents gained ground from where they came from, right? How they broke cycles. And then I get to take what they did and I get to build on it for my kids. They'll have their own stuff. They already do. But hopefully they won't have to deal with the things that I've claimed healing on in my life that I can teach them to live from that instead. Yeah, that's powerful. 
I, I would love to dive into some more of the things that maybe moms really struggle with. I know you work mm -hmm. with moms one-on-one, you work with moms in uh, a membership group setting. And yeah. so I remember being a, a mom of young kids. I think every stage comes with something different. So yeah. far for me, young kids was by far the hardest. And I was a single mom when I had mm -hmm. Aubrey. That was really tough. But yeah. I think in general, though, there's a lot of things that moms deal with, regardless of single, not single, older, younger, whatever. But I think there are some themes. And I would love to hear from you about what do you really see moms struggle with? What do you think needs to be talked about more? between moms? I mean, where do I start? I think we struggle with all of it, but I think the biggest themes that I see is not feeling like we're enough. Like someone else was better equipped for this. There's something missing in me that I don't have or feeling like you're not the woman for the job. I'm not capable or I'm not equipped to do this or just this feeling of the weight and the burden of all of it. I think so many women are searching for balance. They want this state of equilibrium because I think all of us felt like once we got to this secure place, right? We thought like, once I get there, it'll be secure and feel secure. And then we get here and it feels like shaky ground, right? Like 2020 hits and the kids are out of school and the husband was laid off. Like that wasn't my story, but like women I'm working with are they think once they're here, it'll all be smooth sailing and then they get here and it's shaky ground. So teaching them to find balance within themselves. Like I like to describe it of like learning how to ride a bike. Like if a bike's sitting there, it doesn't have balance, it falls over, but you have enough core strength and you learn to like move and shift with it. And you learn how, even when you're thrown off, even when you fall, I think so many women are like, just teach me how to like not fall. And it's like, I'm not your girl. I'm not going to sit here and tell you how you can avoid heartbreak and grief and having to set boundaries and doing it wrong and messing it up. How do you get back from that? How do you surround yourself with community who reminds you who you are? A lot of moms feel really alone. They feel like they don't belong. I think it's easy to feel like there's mom clubs, like mm -hmm. because of the way we parent or the way we look or our faith or right. Like there's like the right kind of mom and everyone kind of has this different idea, but all of us kind of have this picture in our head of this mom, but it doesn't exist. I think we blame it on social media, but the reality is that we do this in our everyday lives. We make our lives look so pretty and all of us are hustling to try to achieve it. And yet all of us feel like we're failing at it. Mm -hmm. So those are big things. But honestly, one of the biggest things I see in relationships are where do I end and where do they begin? And how do I become not a slave to their emotions, to their feelings? How do I set boundaries with someone that I love? How do I say the uncomfortable thing? How do I not only find who I am and what I want, right? Because most women have that story of, I don't know who I am anymore. Mm -hmm. But I think really... We know who we are. We just stopped listening to it. We stopped responding to it and we stopped speaking it. We forget to have this boundary of, I'm not responsible for my kids and husband. I'm here to serve them and I love them and I want to help them. And I am not them. Like I can't, mm -hmm. I can't make them happy. 
I can't make their lives perfect. I can't protect them. And it is one of the hardest things as a mom, I think, because you see these kids that you love so much and you want to make it perfect for them. And yet you can't, mm-hmm. and you can't do that for yourself either. And so learning to accept all of who you are is what helps you to accept all of who your kids are and all of who your husband is, right? So relationships and how they relate to their spouse or their co-parent, what if they're not married or if they're single, their relationships with other people are one of the biggest things that actually comes up a lot with moms. It's so funny because I think when people first meet me, I think a lot of times they think I'm going to teach them how to parent. I think they're thinking of like, oh, she's going to give me more like expert ideas of like how to discipline and how to do consequences and schedules. And all of that stuff is good and great, but none of it matters if you're doing it my way because it won't fit you. It won't serve you. It, It might be done out of like a obedience versus a performance instead of fitting the situation. Does that make sense? Like, I think a lot of moms just want to be fixed versus Mm -hmm. learning that they're not broken. Yeah. You know? Mm. Well, they want their children to be fixed. And I see that a lot in in therapy. They want their kids to be fixed so they are perfectly behaved. Yeah. And don't understand that that requires them to do their work right to impact their child and that that upsets a lot of people (laughs) I mean to say you have to take a look at yourself in order to affect your child's behavior and that that rocks the boat a bit yeah I think what's interesting is everyone comes to me with different things and maybe they get annoyed with me but that's fine I'll keep coming back to it every time what is the best version of you do We can blame your hard kid all we want. We can blame your husband all we want. But at the end of the day, you don't control them. You can impact them. But what do you control? You control your thoughts and your beliefs and your actions. And if we can slow down the process instead of like, fix my parenting, fix my house, fix my marriage, let's slow down and figure out where the hurt is right? So many of our issues are coming from a hurt or a pain or a story. And if we slow down enough to heal that, to like become aware of it even, right? Sometimes it doesn't even have to be healed, but just having an awareness of like, yeah, I see that. I got that. Okay, cool. Now I can move on with my day. You suddenly have power over it. The biggest issue, honestly, I help moms with is empowering them. This is on no one else but you. Mm -hmm. And like Mm -hmm. in a grace-filled way of like, this is just you. I remember it's funny, like moving back into my story, one of the first ways that I helped moms is that I became a allegedly leader. And that's like a breastfeeding support group. And the training for becoming a leader is so cool because we learn all the facts about breastfeeding and all the ins and outs of it. But really what they taught us to do is empower moms. We never gave advice. We never told them what to do. We asked them questions. We helped them figure out and empower them of like, how does that sit with you? What do you think you need? What does your baby need? We helped them instead of like looking outside of themselves for answers, Mm -hmm. start listening to like that intuition again, that mother's intuition that you think you don't have but that you're so busy looking for someone else to give you the power. You want someone else to fix you. You want someone else either to be at fault 
or to rescue you. But when you take that power back, everything changes, right? Then you can have that conversation with your husband. You can parent your kids. You can take care of your house because you know what you need. Mm -hmm. You know what you want. There's such a theme of looking outside of self for worth, for value. Am I doing this right? Am I not? I, I know yeah. myself a lot. I just wish I someone would tell me what to do, right? It's like, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> it seems like, yep. yeah, uh, just tell me what to do. Okay. So I don't have to deal with it. I just yeah. can. Yeah. But that's, that's not the reality of the way things need to be because ultimately we have to live our own truth and see the answers within ourselves. And so yeah. it really sounds like you're staying moms back to that, back to those answers, which is powerful yeah. because I really believe that mothers impact the entire system in yeah. a really, really profound way. And mothers create the ripple effect within their system mm-hmm. that really only they can create in their way. I think mothers are disruptors, right? Like if I think of who breaks the trauma cycles, who sets the family on a new path, I think men have a natural leader quality, but but they don't have that the same like emotional intuition and like that gifting sometimes to repath people, if that makes sense of like, there's a performance. I think, you know, I can teach you all the right things to do or say, I think women and mothers we know what people want from us. We know what to make people like us and love us. It's why we struggle so much with people pleasing. But, but when we live that way, there's something off, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it doesn't feel the same. And so everything can look pretty, but it doesn't feel pretty, right? Like my life can look good, but does it feel good? Is it actually good? Mm-hmm. If we slow down enough and stop worrying about what our life looks like and what other people think of me, we can slow down to find, am I actually good? Like what are the parts of me that are actually whole and good and bring life to this world instead of trying to just put on a show that at the end of the day doesn't, it just doesn't feel right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It's like a performance versus dancing. Like I, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like trying to fit yourself into a rule that's not made for you. Mm -hmm. I can totally relate to that because for me as a mom, some of my biggest struggles have along the way have been guilt and shame for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, not being a good enough mom. I really am. I, I'm really driven person. And so I really love my career. I love learning. I love doing things that, don't include being a mom. And for a mm-hmm. long time, I really, really, really struggled with that. I remember when Aubrey was little, just feeling like this is too hard, you know, and feeling so guilty about not loving being a mom. I remember driving on these drives that I would do from school to pick her up and just imagining like, what would happen if I just kept driving? What would happen if I never came back? What would happen if I drove to California (laughs) started a whole new life and then feeling so bad and guilty Mm. 
that that was my frame of mind. And so I'd beat myself up like crazy. And so then I think mm-hmm. we make ourselves get rigid in other areas to prove. Yeah. All the things I could say to that. Yes. It's so crazy because in our a call this morning with moms, we were talking about what are the stories. And one of the moms shared, working is easier than parenting. And all of us teared up and we're like, yep, that's me, like me included. And what's crazy though, Sarah, is that I was really good at the baby thing. I was good at it and I loved it. It's so funny looking back and only people who've had, I'm sure some people will relate to this and some people won't understand this, but I had pretty intense postpartum anxiety and depression with my daughter and I was happy. I think because I just embraced it. And it's just who I was. Like it was my personality. Like I loved just sitting and nursing the baby all day and holding her. I didn't love the colic and the crying and the screaming, but I was good at the little baby thing. And I actually would have shame when I was around other women feeling like this is all I do. Like I'm only a mom. Like I remember especially having conversations with people who either weren't moms or people who did have other things. And I remember feeling like I need something more. Like it's not enough to just take care of these babies and like mm-hmm. love it. And mm-hmm. and I look back and I I missed a little bit of that season with, especially once I had my son and I had two little kids, I missed a little bit of just like loving it because I really did love it, but I felt like I had to do something more, like it wasn't enough. And so mm-hmm. it's so crazy that two moms with two different stories both felt like they weren't enough and should have been more like the other. And now I find myself as I am a working mom and I love doing what I do. Mm -hmm. I'm an entrepreneur now and I freaking love it. It's so fun and it's so exciting. And so now I get that, I get that pull. So now I have the opposite thing of I love work and it works easier for me than parenting sometimes. And Mm -hmm. it's more fun sometimes and being like, okay, uh uh-huh, just owning it and just not fighting against that. When you shared the story about you driving and you said you had those thoughts, I think what's interesting is sometimes when I'm working with a mom and she's really struggling, I think of one mom who is struggling with house care, of feeling overwhelmed with taking care of the house, which I think a lot of people are like, okay, whatever, it's just a house, but this is a, it's a feel thing. It's an emotional thing. It's not just the dishes sometimes, right? When your husband comes in and makes a comment about the kitchen always being dirty, it's like, well, what do you make that mean about you? Because he's just noticing that the kitchen's dirty. Maybe he's being judgmental, but maybe he's just noticing that the kitchen's dirty. I may or may not be speaking of myself in this instant, but am I making it mean something about my worth, about my identity, that the kitchen's messy? But one of the ways that I talk to moms about that is make a list of all the things you do. You could leave it all today. You could. You are choosing to stay. You could just leave to California tomorrow, but you don't want to. You're choosing this. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting what happens to women when we remind them that they're choosing this, that they have a choice in it, that it's not being forced upon them to Mm -hmm. stay. Right. Now, I wouldn't recommend it. Like, I don't think you should. I didn't have the ability at that point in my life to be able to say, okay, there's nothing wrong with feeling this way. Yes. Dig into it. Why do you feel this way? What's going on? Mm-hmm. You know, instead of running from it. 
Exactly. And the reality yeah. is, is I love my kids more than anything in the whole yeah. entire world. And I think what I was also doing was trying to understand the peeling apart of codependency because mm. my yeah. mom was so codependent that she wanted to be with me 24 seven. She didn't want mm. me to be anywhere else. If she didn't want anything else outside of our relationship and so the fact that I did was like, oh, yeah, there's really something wrong with you. So to be able to help moms know and understand you're allowed to be something other than a mom that doesn't have to be your complete identity. And someone said to me once, Sarah, your purpose is not to be a mom. You mm. get to be a mom. Yeah. Yeah you get to be a mom in your life. You get to play that role. And, and it's amazing. And it's not your entire purpose. Mm. And that really shifted something for me in my mind. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, cause if you think about it, if we gathered tons of moms in a room, which we obviously can't do right now, and a little kid comes in and screams, mom, they don't just want any mom. They don't, they don't just want like, oh, this is the role you play. I need someone who's a mother. They need you, mm -hmm. right? Like my kids needed a type two helper mom who like is very over emotional and has to like have deep conversations about our actions, and our thoughts and beliefs. They have a mom who thought was, I thought I was type A, but as it turns out, I am not the class mom. I am not the mom who has everything in on time. I am not the well-organized mom, which is very weird because on a personal level, I am. But when it comes to their stuff, like I'm not great at managing it. And just accepting who I am, uniquely me as a mom and my personality, right? I loved one of the workshops I did this this year was on the Enneagram and how that translates to our motherhood and learning. I love personality stuff. So anything that has to do with figuring out how my brain works, how my body works, like my specific brain and how it processes things and thinks through things not only makes me an incredible mom, but it makes me like it more because I'm no longer trying to be a mom like her. If I'm trying to be the mom who like plans perfect Pinterest parties. Like it's not me. That's just not my gifting, but it also doesn't mean that it's bad that it's her gifting. I think sometimes we get this weird mom shaming of like, mm -hmm. there's something wrong with women who are well put together all the time or have beautiful, gorgeous, big parties. It's like, you have to choose between being like this really good fancy mom or you're the hot mess mom when all of us are just us. I'm just me. Like, this is the version of me you're getting today because this is me and accepting it. I think sometimes we either try to make ourselves look better than we are or worse than we are. It's sometimes hard for me to say, like, this is what I'm really good at. But knowing that in our personality, that's what makes us a good mom. You can't remove your identity from the situation. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that was kind of like a random sidetrack off of like, mom, mom is a role that I play, mm -hmm. right? It's part of who I am. Yeah, because it's, it's etched into me. It's mm -hmm. part of what makes me me. 
but it doesn't define my identity and my personality. It's, it's a part of it, but we're complex. You can't just say mom and know exactly what I look like or talk like or act like or parent like, right? We'll all do it differently. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's just such power in embracing who you are specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I used to put a lot of effort into the Pinterest parties and all of those things. Is that (laughs) your jam? No, not, I mean, I, I tried to make it by jam and yeah. sometimes it is depending on yeah. how much time I have, I, you know, something you just said reminded me like showing up as who you are and, but also knowing that that changes, it changes mm-hmm. based on your growth. It changes based on how much time you have, what season you're in. I mean, yeah. I think there's so much to that contributes to that and what you were last year is not necessarily what you're going to be now. Yeah. And I think what you just said is so powerful, especially like I think of moms in really tough seasons. Like I think of those moms who maybe they do have depression or anxiety, or maybe their kid has a physical ailment or, you know, there's something going on. Maybe there's a really hard thing in their marriage and knowing that they can be in a hard place you can be in a grieving place or something and still be a good mom. Like embracing the season. Like I remember when I was pregnant with my son and I had my two-year-old daughter and there was so many times that I just napped and we watched a lot of TV and snuggled because I was just so sick. But I learned to not beat myself up for it. So often we think if we just beat ourselves up and if we just shame ourselves for what we're doing, like such a crappy mom, I'm not spending time with my kid, that doesn't actually help you show up better. It just makes it worse. It takes a hard situation and makes it suffering. Mm-hmm. It it takes a hard season and makes it worse and makes it prolonged versus like, this is me. Like when I was sick, like a couple of weeks ago, thinking back, like, this is what it looks like today. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm in my sweats. This is me today. I am I am the mom who my kids are just going to play all day and they're going to eat whatever they want and they're going to watch movies and I will love them and tell them how much I love them, but I will not play with them. I'm not doing anything. And like, I just didn't fight it. Like I didn't mm-hmm. fight that. Like, it's just a crappy day and today I'm just going to be crappy. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds weird, but like embracing that side of yourself, we think if we just ignore the hard, bad stuff about ourselves, it'll go away. But Mm -hmm. embracing it and learning to love it instead of beating myself up for it is what gave me grace to change, right? Mm -hmm. And like my low days aren't as low anymore. Mm -hmm. My hard places aren't as hurtful anymore because I don't try to hide it. I don't try to fight against it. And obviously like I show up for my kids. I suck it up sometimes, right? Like that's part of it too. Like one of the things I always say is there's grace and there's grit and you have to slow down enough to be like, do I need more grit today? And like, I kind of need to suck it up and do the things that I want to do. Or do I just need some grace today to like sit in it and just be in it? Yeah, we need both for sure. I can't tell you how many people I've heard it from also that say that they lay in bed at night and Mm -hmm. think about all the things that they did wrong as a mom that day or things that they wish that they wouldn't have done. And that always just breaks my heart because 
there are so many things that I think we do right every day and so many things that we should be loving on ourselves for. But it's so easy for us to get into that. I need to criticize myself. I need to pick myself apart because we do think it's going to make us better the next day. Yeah. Which is not correct. (laughs) I think it's so interesting it's like we grip these truths. It's like we grip it. And it's like, we, we find all of the ways that it's true. And I think what's so interesting is it's so easy to see in other people, right? It's so easy for me to sit here and hear you say that, like you struggle with that and be like, what? Like, no, like never. And that's why I think doing this kind of work and growth in a community is so powerful because you need to hear it in other people because sometimes our brains are just so grasped tightly onto what we believe is true Mm -hmm. that we really have to see someone else almost process it alongside us to be able to accept it for ourselves, to be able to be like, we don't see what's true. We see what we look for. There's an image and I can't remember who first taught it to me because I've had so many mentors and read so many books and all those things, but it's like, if there's a house on fire, a firefighter sees that as a job. I see a house on fire. And if it's my house, I'm going to be heartbroken and grieving and maybe scared. Maybe there's a guy who set it on fire and he's sitting there like, yes, fire. The same situation is happening, but it depends on how you're looking at it. Mm-hmm. And, but it's so hard when it's your own stuff to take yourself back out of it enough to be like, what else could be true? What other position could I look at this from and what else would be true about this? And that's one of the biggest things that I try to help moms with is getting far enough away from that in the middle of it that they can start to see what else is true, start to question those beliefs and those stories and start to rewrite them. Because if we grip tightly onto the fact that I'm a bad mom, you're going to be looking for it everywhere, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to find all the ways that I'm a bad mom today, but also I'm going to keep repeating it because my subconscious is acting, right? Like we act from our identity. We act from who we think we are. So if I wake up every day thinking I'm a failure of a mom, I'm a crappy mom, I'm probably just going to keep acting from that versus interrupting that story and saying, I'm exactly the mom I need to be. And sometimes I'm a hot mess and sometimes I yell and I love my kids deeply and I'm going to show up for them that belief is still true about me, right? Like it's so important with affirmations to find something that our brain believes because our brains know BS. Our brains know if we don't fully believe it or don't fully think it. So I'm never going to try to push an affirmation that your brain doesn't think. But if you can slow down enough to question it, Mm -hmm. like remove yourself and then do that like friend or reparenting thing. If your kid came to you and said this, what would you believe? would you accept that from them as just true? But you know that they believe it because we've been there, Mm -hmm. you know, that Mm -hmm. like gripping so tightly to those things that are hurting us. You're listening to a podcast on the loudspeaker network to find other podcasts and unique programming, visit www.loudspeaker.fm loudspeaker. Diverse voices, unique sound. Feminist Hot Dog is back with a new season packed with awesome interviews with icons, artists, innovators, authors, and lots of surprises. 
Whether you consider yourself a hardcore feminist or you're feeling feminist curious, tune in Wednesday nights at 8 Mountain and get all the information and inspiration you need to live your best feminist life. Listen Wednesdays on Loudspeaker and Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, love yourself and love your buns. I think one of the biggest things that a lot of moms or women in general, people really, Mm -hmm. but I think it's probably most prevalent with moms is that we're alone. Like we, Mm. you said earlier, you talked about the lonely, you know, I'm alone in this. And I think I remember feeling like I am the only mom in the world that even like has these thoughts that goes Mm -hmm. through her head that I just want to escape. I just want to leave. And so that sense of alone is so difficult. And that's where really, I think our shame breeds itself. So you keep talking about community and Mm -hmm. you're just, you know, saying, being able to see it in another perspective. And I think that's another thing that really comes out of that community is hearing the experience of other moms and and hearing you're not the only one that feels this way. You're not the only yeah. one that thinks this. Yeah. And I think, so it's funny. There's like the practical side of that too, of there is nothing more fulfilling than being at your friend's house and having your friends do the crap that your kids do to you, only doing it to them. And you sit there and you just have to like smile and laugh and you're like, I'm so sorry. I know this is hard for you. It's just really good to know that like, it's not just me. Mm-hmm. It's not just my kids. Like you see the expression on their face, but so many women don't have that experience. They don't have that. We don't have a community where we see what's happening in other people's houses. We don't see other people's dirty laundry. We don't see other people's kids misbehaving or their spouses like getting in little nitpicky fights. Like even just those little things can be so, all of a sudden you're just like, oh, okay, it's not just me. But also you're an adult with an adult brain hanging out with little kids all day. Like it's hard to not have that adult conversation and feelings and emotions. And it's like, I remember laughing. I was listening to a personal development book and they're like, you act like the most, the five people you spend the most time with. I'm like, great, like two kids and a dog. But I think that's the power of podcasts and audiobooks and online communities and book clubs. And it's, it's hard right now because there aren't as many in-person things, right? Like we don't have the chance to be around everyone, but finding ways to be around other people feels so good. I was on a call with a client and her kid is like chasing her on the house screaming mom like it's not ideal right like it's not ideal for anyone and yet we both just had to laugh because I don't have little babies anymore I don't I don't have kids chasing me but like the other day I went to go live on a Facebook on my Facebook group and my kid comes in crying like he kicked me in the throat and I'm like so I guess I'm done with my live like (laughs) But seeing Mm -hmm. that happen in other people's lives, you need that. You need Mm -hmm. that sense of like, it's not just me in my house trying to survive doing the same thing every day, every day, every day. So there's Mm -hmm. like this sense of belonging, but then that like deeper emotional sense of like, not only are they walking 
and doing the practical things that I am, but they're feeling this way. They're having these thoughts. It's not just me who feels like a screw up. Even these people who are good moms, because it's easy to see in other people, Mm -hmm. seeing and hearing it from them makes us not feel alone. In fact, Mm -hmm. I constantly remind myself like, One of my goals on social media, one of my goals in my business is I'm not showing up here to make it look pretty. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm not showing up here to make it seem like you can achieve something that's not achievable. Like I purposely will be like, hey, my kitchen's a mess. I'm going to share that because I bet there's a mom out there who needs to know that her house is not the only one that doesn't look clean all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Because our brains, our brains don't notice that on social media. Like we know yeah. it logically, but when we see our dirty kitchen, what we picture everyone else's house is looking like is not that because mm-hmm. we never see people's houses like that. Right. Totally. Yeah. In fact, one of my friends from Mops, I remember I went to her book club and her house was so messy. And I mean like, and it's so funny because she was like, I know my house is a mess and I hope it's a gift to you. And it was because I was very type A and I thought I had to have a clean house. And I realized like this mom is one of the best hostesses ever. She was like the most kind person ever. And I was like, I don't care. Like once I was there and interacting with people, I didn't care. Mm -hmm. And yet when people come to my house, I don't just leave my mess. And yet there's something really fun and exciting about just letting people be in your life without cleaning it up first. Yeah. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. messy middle. Like, come on Mm -hmm. into my messy house. I'm not even going to clean it for you. Right. We need to mean that. What'd you say? (laughs) Letting people come into your life without cleaning it up first. Yeah. There we go. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I want to shift gears just a little bit and talk about your kind of healing. So we talked about your struggle and we talked about that feeling of not being happy, not fitting you. What did you do? What kind of got you onto a different path into maybe more of where you are now? It's so crazy to say, cause I think it's, it's just such a journey. Like it hasn't been one thing after another, but I would say the first thing was being aware of it. Just even noticing like, Oh, it, it's not just them. It's me. Like this is something that needs healed in me. I remember my daughter hit a certain age that I started having a lot of past trauma come up. I started experiencing panic attacks and I started having like tr- essentially like sexual trauma memories in my body come up. Mm-hmm. And that was very, very difficult for me because there was like this resistance to it of like, nope, we've done that. We've done the therapy though. Like Mm. we've done the therapy. So I'm fine now. Like, it's okay. That was in childhood. This is now. And I think I first had to become aware of it. I think the reason it came out when it did is because I was finally in a place where I was ready to truly heal instead of just shoving it away. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it was really easy to get married and then have the baby. And then all of a sudden the newness of all of that wore off. And then it was like, it's just still here though. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just still here and waiting. So letting it, like, kind of, not that I had a choice, but it started to come out anyways. And I think that's the season I found Brene Brown. And I have to laugh at that because I saw an article the other day that said, like, 2020, the year Brene Brown came America's therapist. But I found her work. And I, I got to go see her with my sister. And she was teaching 
her rising strong if you've never read that book and i remember her sharing her shitty first draft concept and teaching about like how we hear and believe these stories and i started like i remember driving back from it and just like sobbing to my sister of like all of these ways i had carried these past stories into my new marriage that like they weren't even true because I knew how much my husband loved me and yet I still carried so much baggage that I wasn't lovable that if like anything was like seen through that lens. And, but I started to do the work. I started reading books and I started journaling. I started writing my shitty first drafts. I started questioning things. I think that set me on this road to listening to podcasts, but, but I, I think one of my giftings, and I think it's what probably makes me a really good mentor and coach is that I can't hear something and not overthink it. I can't hear something and not put everything in my life through that lens and like play the devil's advocate and think through it and process through it. I think that's just part of my personality is to do that work. So I just started to do a lot of that. And there's so much internal healing. But what's interesting is that internal healing could only get me so far until I started being vulnerable enough to share it with people who loved me, right? Of starting to tell people. And it started with my husband because he was my one of my safest places of starting to tell them what was really going on with me. Starting to be truthful about the struggles in our marriage to a group of women at a Bible study. Starting to seek out what is going on with me? What are those broken, hard, hurt places of me? And how do I heal it? And starting to like learn, well, what does trauma do? What are these places in me that need healed? And how do I do it? Because I can learn how to do it. I remember in a Bible study and we were doing a Beth Moore series and she shared her story, which she has a crazy story of what she's come through and what she's walked through. And I remember her sharing how she had healed it and how she still had healing, how she still was working on that. And I remember sitting there and like, well, if someone that I honor and respect as much as Beth Moore can do this, so can I. Like if she's been here, I can do this too. And so I just started, I started talking to people. I started telling them what was going on in my life and I started to have people help me through it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's like the very beginning of it. And then really a big change though happened when I invested in a group coaching program. Um, And it's just an online thing. I've never been one-on-one coached in the program actually, but they teach about emotional maturity and how to recognize your thoughts and how to embrace all of you and investing in myself. I took the time. I was Mm -hmm. willing to take the time to, to be in it to cry, to be a mess, to be in progress. I stopped trying to act. I stopped trying to act like I had it all together. I stopped trying to make it seem like I had it all figured out. And I started asking more questions, right? Like I started finding people who are willing to have hard conversations because for so long I had like all of these questions and all of these conversations in my head, but starting to have them out loud and starting to act in accordance with them, if that makes sense, is what mm-hmm. really turned everything in a big way for me. I I always say that our thoughts are not real until they're either spoken or written down. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think, gosh, the power in speaking them out loud. I feel like that's one of the huge 
just reasons why therapy works. <laughs> yeah. Because you're not just, carrying it around with you. Yeah. Hearing yourself, being able to say the things that are, you know, have been buried down so deep because yeah. they can't grow anymore as soon as we get them outside of ourselves. And, and, yeah. and we can't look at them objectively. We can't look at them and be curious about them as yeah. long as we keep them buried inside. So I love yeah. that. I think that's really helpful. I, I hope that the people listening, for those of you listening, will be able to pull from that. Like, what do yeah. you need to be mm. able to move forward? Well, um, and what's cool, though, like thinking of all the people listening, it was little things, right? It was little things like, I'm going to start journaling out what I'm thinking and feeling before I fight with my husband. Cause that's a way like a lot of my stuff came out, but it all came out at once. And like, neither of us could digest it. Cause it was just kind of like, here's all my life's trauma. Only it's coming out on you after like a little, little nitpick fight, like little things, little things like moving my body. Right. I think we underestimate how much movement, how much, our bodies store, at least for me, that was huge is like movement and music and just those little things. It doesn't have to be this giant instant transformation. Like it can just be the messy middle. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. Probably just kind of answered this, but maybe you can <laughs> narrow it down a bit to something, maybe the one thing that has been the most vital to your growth. Oh, the one thing I think if I were to answer that question right now, I would say it's, it's investing in help, right? And there's so many different ways and places and people who can give you help, right? Therapists, doctors, coaches, mentors, communities, masterminds, like it could be your church group. It could be a book club. Finding someone who has what you want to have. Finding someone who has a health or and understanding and what you're struggling with instead of doing it alone, right? Like mm -hmm. I look back at like, even, even when I first found Brene Brown, she didn't even know I existed. And yet I had help from her, right? Like I took her ideas, her knowledge, her story, and I started using it for myself. And of course that's accessible, but having a real person to do that with you so much better. It happens faster. It's easier. It's not lonely. Like that's a huge thing. It's not lonely. So, mm -hmm. so finding a community or finding help, finding a person who can walk you through it. And that doesn't just mean in the messy, hard, awful seasons. That's every season because I think in every season we're growing, right? Like I look at right now and it's like, oh, there's nothing traumatic happening. So it's fine. I don't need help. And it's like, no, I need someone to call me on my shit. I need someone to teach me to get stronger. I need someone to help me with all those areas that I can't see that mm -hmm. my brain doesn't want to go to, you know, it's much easier when you're linking arms with someone and they're, yeah, they're helping you along the way for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. It's way more fun. It's easier. Mm -hmm. It's lighter. It takes way less time than like trying to do it all yourself. What do you want to make sure people know? So walking away from this, podcasts, what do you want them to take with them? I think probably to embrace all of it. It's easy to say that you are enough or you are worthy, but me saying it means nothing. I could say that time blue in the face 
but knowing that you have a choice, right? Like in embracing the fact that you get to choose, you can embrace all of this and you can learn to embrace it and live with it and be in the messy middle and make progress and growth. Or you could choose not to. We can blame it on motherhood. We could blame it on a busy schedule. We could blame it on anything. All of us have reasons why we can't be where we are. All of us have reasons why we should stay where we are and not move forward. But we have the choice whether we believe those stories. We have a choice whether we stay in them or whether we we get willing to be in the messy and the hard and the crappy so that we can heal it, so that we can be in our lives. I don't think the point of it is to fix it. It's to live it. It's to live in our lives. Yeah. Be present wherever that is Mm -hmm. that you are. Mm -hmm. All right, Becca. I know people are going to want to connect with you. And so I will have all of your links and everything in the show notes so people can click through to you. But if you want to quickly let people know where do you hang out the most, how can they find you? How can they get involved with you? I'm on Instagram. I love Instagram. I'm also on Facebook. I'm learning to love Facebook. I have a free group that I do a lot of stuff in. I try to make my email list really awesome. Try to do lots of good information and not just like scammy, like here's what I'm selling. But so I have Facebook, Instagram, email. I'm at the motherhood mentor on all the platforms. I just joined clubhouse. We'll see what that's all about. I don't know about that yet. I think it sounds fun though. I love podcasts. So it seems similar to that. So I'm there. Yeah, that's where you find me. And then you have a membership too, right? Yeah. So I have a monthly membership where moms come and we meet every week on Zoom and we do workshops, but we have conversations like this. We talk about life. We talk about what's going on with us. I mentor moms on the call, but it's it's a space for connection and community and growth and just being right? Like learning to embrace it, learning all of these things that I walked through, learning all of these things that we are walking through and then doing it together. And I have guest coaches come in and teach us on different things. We do lots of practical, but also emotional. It's, it's kind of teaching moms all the things we wish we knew that we wish we had help with, but that often isn't focused on. Most people are just like, here's how to nurse the baby. Here's how to formula feed. Here's how to Mm -hmm. introduce solids. And it's like, what about all the other stuff? Like, yeah. So that personal growth. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Well, I think what you are doing for mothers is amazing. And I wish I would have had you back in my 21 year old. I think that would have made a world of difference, but thank you for what you're doing for moms. And thank you for being a person who talks about the heart and who goes there with people and, you know, helps to shine light on these areas that really we can hold a lot of shame and, and can really hold us back. So you're doing beautiful things. Thank you so much. I, when you were saying that, I, I often get a picture of, I think it's so cool to be in the position I am because I have so many people leading me, right? Like I get to help other moms, but it's only because I've had so many people help me and still helping me. And that's the community of it. That's, that's the beauty of it. So thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the WE podcast. I'm so grateful you were able to show up with us in this space. If you'd like to connect, please look for links to our social media and ways to get in touch in the show notes. 
This show is produced by Loudspeaker Networks. Also, credit to my talented daughter for creating my show music. You can find more of the WE podcast, as well as many other awesome things on the network at loudspeaker.fm. If you've heard something that touched you, please don't forget to share with your friends. Remember, your story makes you who you are. Speak your truth, show up for the hard conversations, choose growth, and always know that you are not on this journey alone. See you next time. This has been a production of Loudspeaker Networks. For more on this and other programs, visit loudspeaker.fm.